Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see everyone this morning. Mm-mm-mm. Such a great, great spirit this morning. Amen. Just to always, always just be aware of just, I don't know if y'all do this like I am. Sometimes, you know, um, every day we should wake up and be just so thankful we're saved. But some days, more than others, you just wake up and you're just so, the reality of salvation just dawns so bright, right? And I don't know if that's because today is actually, and this is not today's message, but today is actually what's historically called Palm Sunday, right? If you remember the story in, in Jesus's narrative, this is the day when he rode the donkey into the temple and the people came out with the palm leaves and shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Yep. Man, that's, uh, sometimes I, I know in our culture that we can miss that, right? Uh, a little bit to kind of paint that for you, just because I just love this kind of stuff, the symbology. Um, so remember that that Bethlehem was a Sabbath day's walk to Jerusalem. You could walk Bethlehem in a day from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. Every Passover in Israel in Jerusalem, the high priest would be in Bethlehem and he would take the lamb for the year. And he would put the lamb on his shoulders and he would walk the lamb from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Right. Typically, again, the donkey was always a a royal animal of service. We don't always think of donkeys in that light in our current culture because we don't know what to do with them. Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, besides, you know, I've heard of guard donkeys in people's pastures, right? That there's donkeys that keep other animals safe, but which is a great analogy of the priest, right? Uh, and stuff. So the priest would carry the lamb because he was, he was the, the animal of service of high esteem. And he would walk the critter in, right? And that's why Jesus rode a donkey that day into the gate, all the symbology of the lamb from Bethlehem being carried by the highest of those who would serve into the eastern gate, which he will come back into. Have you ever seen those pictures of Jerusalem? Now, if you look at those like panoramic pictures of the city of Jerusalem, you're always looking at it. That picture is taken from the Mount of Olives, the garden on the other side of what's called the Kidron Valley. And you stand there and you look across to Jerusalem and you see those two gates that have been bricked up. They were bricked up by the Muslims because that's where Jesus will return. They planted dead people in front of that whole wall because in their thoughts, the Messiah could never cross a place of death, right? But they forget that it says when Jesus returns, as Selena says, and he touches, the, the Bible says he touches the Mount of Olives. It says the floor of the Kidron Valley will rise to meet him in his coming. And he will open up the gates of the eastern side and he'll ride another animal that day. In through the eastern gate, the same place he went today so many years ago. Right, coming as the saving Messiah on the front side and as the redeeming warrior king Messiah on the second side. Right, so today, guys, listen, today is our day. This week coming, starting today, is the week of declaration. That's what they were doing. Hosanna, Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was the declaration, the cry that salvation is riding into the world. Right? So this whole week, I want you to be very aware as we're preparing. Today starts Passover for our Jewish brethren. Tonight, it starts, actually last night, it starts Passover. This whole week of preparation. Right? This whole week of the whole climax of the salvation story is, is today. Right? So this week, as Selena, I think, so prophetically said this morning, this is the week to declare. If there's, I mean, all weeks we declare. Praise God. Aren't you glad that we're not locked down to certain dates and times anymore? But for symbology and for awareness, this is our week. This is, this is truly our holiday. I mean, I love Christmas. If y'all know me at all, I'm a Christmas dude. But, you know, Jesus wasn't about Christmas. He came on Christmas, but he came for today. He came for this coming week. He came for a week from today when we celebrate Easter and his resurrection. That's why he came. Right. So this is our, God, this is our holiday. Right, right. This is our time. You have been redeemed. You have been transformed. You have been delivered. You have been ransomed. You have been indwelt. You have been empowered. You have been uh, infilled. You have been literally woven and stitched together with God. Again, I can tell people all the time, if I, if I had a superpower, my superpower would be I would love to be able to peel your flesh and your soul away from your spirit and just let you catch a glimpse of how much you look like Jesus. Because if I could peel your flesh and your soul away from your spirit, man, you and Jesus are identical twins. <laughs> Some of y'all are going to catch that about halfway home. Right? You look so much like Jesus. Right. That's why angels stand on attention to hear your voice because you sound like him. That's why demons come like they did to Christ and to Paul and say, I know who you are because I know his voice. Does that make sense? So, again, I said it to our Irondale campus this morning. Remember, Paul, the apostle said, you are no longer a mere man. Or a mere woman. Or a mere human. You are something that has never existed before. You are literally God incarnate. Walking on the earth. That's you. Amen. Amen. Alright, well y'all look in. Again, hallelujah. Go to Ephesians chapter 4 if you want to. I guess as one, I heard one preacher say, you can go anywhere in the Bible you want to, but I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. It's a joke. Y'all can laugh. All right, everybody. All right. I want to pick up here, um, just because we really are in a groove talking about the three types of anointings, and I don't want to leave you hanging on the third one. Right. So we've covered the last three weeks. That again, the the scriptures, especially the New Testament, teach us that as believers, as New Testament believers, there are three categories, three types. Three levels, I don't know if that's the right word, but three types or categories of what Scripture calls the anointing. Now, don't get over-churchified by that word anointing. Anointing simply means ability, right? Anointing simply means someone has been given an ability. They, again, the, the symbology is from the Old Testament where uh, 
Samuel took the horn of oil and found David and anointed him as king and poured that oil over him. Um, there was nothing magical about the oil. There was nothing special about necessarily the ceremony. It was just symbolic of he was being set aside for the ability to be king. He was being set apart from his brethren and given the oil represented that gracing of the spirit, given the spiritual ability to do the job of king. That's all anointing means. Right. I think we've over mystified so much in the church world. I want to demystify the church world. So remember, anointing simply means ability, a God given spirit given ability. So every believer has received a general anointing when you were born again. We covered that a couple of weeks ago. That's what John said in his first letter. You have the ability to know all things. You have the ability to be led by him. You have the abilities that are listed in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. I'm not going to reteach it. You can go and listen if you want to. Better yet, study it out for yourself, right? Then we covered last week that every believer, everybody say every believer. believer. Does that include you? Yes. Right? Are you in every? Yes. How about are you in anybody? Yes. Right? So if you're in everybody or in anybody and you believe then you have been given what I call a specific anointing, right? A specific ability. And we went through Paul's three lists last week and and talked about there are, how many did we say, 14? There are 14 that we identified last week, 14 identifiable ministry gifts, or I would say like this, 14 identifiable anointings, abilities, And if you believe in Jesus, you have been given at least one of those, right? Now, that anointing is unique. It's the only anointing that I can see from the scriptural perspective that you can actually cause to grow. Just like the the servant did in the parable of the talents and the parable of, of the minas, you can engage and interact with that specific anointing you've been given You can do business with it, so to speak. You can trade with it. And what I mean by that is, it's not charlatanism. I mean, I can operate in it. I can use it. I can trade with it with Tony, for example, and I can increase my anointing. I can increase that ability by using it, right? By using, applying, sowing, giving, prayer, study, I can cause that specific ability to get stronger and to get bigger and to grow out. Does that make sense? This is why this anointing does still fit in what we're talking about this year with expanding your capacity, expanding your heart. You can expand your anointing, not just the influence of your anointing, but you can expand your ability in it. It will get stronger. It will get powerful for what you do. Does that make sense? Y'all looking at me kind of strange, right? So that's what you can, you can do. That's the specific. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of a teaser. So what we're going to do starting this Thursday night when we gather together on Thursdays is we're going to walk through those 14 things one per week at least. 
at least spend a week on each one. We'll, we'll do what we normally do. We'll come together. We'll eat a meal. We'll come in here after we share the meal. We'll take a time of prayer because I want us to have our weekly prayer time. But I'm going to take some time and we're just, as long as it takes us, we're going to unpack these giftings during the time of prayer. Besides normally as we do praying as the spirit would guide us and lead us, I want you to come praying about God, which one of these do I got? Which one you got? You've got at least one. I believe some folks can have double, I call it double and triple dipping, right? Jesus sometimes kind of double and triple dips people, right? And so you may have more than one, but you've got at least one. And I want everybody to have some time that we're praying this out and listening to that. And then you and I, along with Pastor Kevin and Selena and Audra, come talk to one of us as you begin to feel like, I think it's this one. Does that make sense? As we pray this out and talk it out, if it rings the bell of your heart as you hear me say, right, I want you to come talk to me and say, I think it could be. And please understand, if you come and tell me you think this is it, it's like trying on shoes. Let's just see if it fits. And if it doesn't fit, that's no condemnation. That just means them ain't your shoes. <laughs> but, but, but you got 14 pairs of shoes from, we're going to find yours. We're going to be like... At least be as faithful as Cinderella, right? We're going to get out there and find your slipper, right? We're going, to be a, <laughs> we're going to find what fits you, right? So that that way we know as your pastors, we know how to equip you for the work of the ministry. Right now, I like something just to say this, that Penny said, please do not be distracted, right? Your ministry gift is not your highest purpose in life. Everybody say that. Say, my gift is not my highest purpose. Say, my gift is not my highest calling. Somebody tell me a little bit of this. What is your highest calling as a human being? To know him and to enjoy him and love him forever. Your highest, your highest purpose in life is to be a son, is to be a daughter, is to be a child of God. That is your highest purpose in life, right? There is nothing higher than knowing your father and enjoying him forever. Amen. Amen. I figured I'd get a lot more shouting than that. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. I mean, for real. I mean, that, that you can't get, and, and I love that because put it this way, you've started at the highest point. You start off as a son, as a daughter, as a child of God. That's where you begin. Hallelujah. Everything else is just everything else, right? I like what Selena said. It's just what I do as, as your pastor, right? I love it. I enjoy it. I get great pleasure from it and great life from it, but I've really had to learn, but it's not my highest thing. My highest thing, my, my true significance and, and my true sufficiency is that I'm a son. You could take all the rest of it away and I'm still awesome. And so are you, amen? Does that make sense? You know, you could take, you could strip all of it away. They could come in, they could pass legislation, they could shut this place down, board us up, take away the internet and throw us into jail. And I'm still a son. <laughs> I am still a son. You can't take that away from me. You can't undo that because he did that. And, and I'll get in there and I'll be like Joseph, just like you would. And next thing you know, we'll, I'll be running to prison. <laughs> Amen. Next thing you know, we'll be doing great things in prison, right? 
And then they're going to sit there and say, the only way we can shut him up is to kill him. And I'll just be like Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> right? Right? You just turn me loose into the force. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Amen. Guys, for real, if, you, if, you'll adopt, if you'll adopt this as a, as a meditation for your life, amen, amen you'll, you'll stop being afraid. Yeah. You'll, you'll stop being afraid of the what ifs. You'll stop being afraid of, of whatever's going on in, in the world. You'll stop being afraid of failure. You'll start being afraid of success. You'll just go out and be. Right? Amen. Because what can, what can you do to a person... That, that you can't, killing them don't scare them. It just makes them happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with a person like that, right? Where you come up and they're going to threaten you. And you're like, oh, please, yes, yeah, send, send me to eternity. Yeah. Amen. Because this is, yeah, throw me in the briar patch. Just, yeah. Does that make sense? You can't stop a person like that. Amen. And that, that's the kind of person you are. Amen. But anyway, but that's all your still your that's all extra. That's that's your specific anointing, that ability that you have. And I really want us to unpack that in the coming weeks, right? And then finally though, but the greatest of them all, the greatest of the three anointings is the one I want us to cover today, and it's called the corporate anointing. Because there is an ability that is given to us, plural. Right. Have you ever have you ever wondered why the the devil, our enemy, endeavors so strong to bring division before he brings anything else? Why he endeavors to bring contention and discord and strife more than anything else? Because he's endeavoring to stop the greatest of the anointings. Right? He's endeavoring to put a stop in what can actually happen amongst us. Right? Because even though you are as awesome as I am, I want you to look at your neighbor and just tell him, say, I'm awesome. Just look at him and say, hey, I'm awesome. Right? But now look at him and say, but we're awesomer together. <laughs> right? Right, we we are we are much more awesomer together than we are apart, right? So this is going to be a very famous passage to us. This is Ephesians chapter four, right? Um, I'm going to back up and start reading. This is okay. This may take a little bit longer. Uh, if I don't finish this today, I'll finish it on a podcast. All right, and we'll do that. I, I don't want to be in a hurry, right? Um, Ephesians chapter four, verse one. And again, I have to say this, remember the book of Ephesians of all the books that Paul wrote, it's, it's the most neatly divided. And, and I can't, I'll say this all the time and I don't mean to bore you with it. I know I've repeated myself here, but it's, it's for your benefit. Remember when you're reading the Bible, especially the New Testament, you're looking for two general categories of scripture. You're looking at what's called the indicative statements and the imperative statements. Now, what do I mean by indicative? What things are? What is the gospel? Right. right? You're looking for the indicatives of the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the work of Jesus Christ? And then you're looking at the imperative statements, which are what will the gospel produce? And the New Testament is cleanly divided between those two broad categories of scripture. The indicatives. This is what the gospel is. The imperative, this is what the gospel will produce. 
And the book of Ephesians is the greatest of those to highlight it because the whole first three chapters of Ephesians are all indicative. This is what the gospel is and what Jesus did and what that did to you and how that transformed you and how it changed you. And it's the real reality of who you are because of the man, Jesus Christ, and his finished work and his resurrection. Whole first three chapters. Indicative. Now we come to chapter four, the great imperative statements. Does this make sense? And it's important that I say that because so many times what we do is we jump to the imperatives, especially as preachers. And we preach the imperatives without making sure you understood the indicatives. Does that make sense? You have to understand the indicative. And real quick, just so that I do what I just told you. If you back up to Ephesians 1, right? Just as an example, in chapter 1 alone, here is what I mean by that. In, in verse 3, it says, He has blessed us. So this all starts with the reality you're blessed. So chapter four, you're not trying to get to chapter four to get blessed. You were blessed in chapter one. Chapter four is just going to tell you what the blessing is going to produce. Does that make sense? It says in verse two, he chose us. Hallelujah. So you were blessed. You were chosen. Right? It says in, in verse four, well, it says that you are holy and without blame. Hallelujah. Just look at your neighbor and say, hey, I'm, I didn't know if you know this, I'm holy. Go ahead and tell them. Hey, just say, hey, I'm also blameless. <laughs> Have you thought, you're holy and you're blameless. Hallelujah. Right? Verse 5 says, I love this, that you're an adopted son. Now, have you ever noticed, have you ever wondered why God chose to tell us two things? You're a son by birth and you're a son by adoption. Do you know why it's important that you understand that you're a son by adoption? Because in Roman culture, you could not disown an adopted child. They could never be cut out. They could never be cut off. They could never be sent away. You could send away a birth son, but you can't send away an adopted son. They are a permanent part of the house. So you are both a son of love by birth and a son of choice by adoption. So do you hear this, right? Amen. It goes on. It says, if that was good enough, we'd stop right there. But verse fix says, you're accepted. I love that. You know, God just likes you. <laughs> he, he just, I like what Andrew Omax says, and he's not even in a bad mood towards you. He just likes you. He's accepted you. You're one of his. Verse 7, it says, you have been redeemed through his blood. You've been purchased and bought, right? In verse 11, it says, you have obtained an inheritance, and I don't have time to teach it, which is the person of the Holy Spirit. So see, this whole thing I'm about to share with you as we get into the, is based on this. You're blessed, you're chosen, you're holy, you're blameless, you're an adopted son and a son of birth. You are accepted, you are redeemed, and you have been given an eternal, unchangeable, immutable inheritance. So that's how you begin. That's where you start. That's just entry. 
Amen. Praise God. So now let's go to chapter 4. So now Paul says, so therefore, remember I always told you, right? If you see a therefore, you got to find out what it's there for. So the therefore is tied back to chapter 1 and 2 and 3. And there's all kinds of good stuff in those other two chapters too. We just don't have time to cover them. Therefore, Paul says, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the anointing with which you are anointed. It's that word calling. It means being set apart. Right? So walk worthy. Now, please hear me. That doesn't mean you're not worthy. You've got to try to get worthy. Because we just read that you're worthy. Do y'all hear that? Does that make sense? Do y'all hear that you're worthy? So this is not a, I'm walking worthy because I need to prove myself. This is like, again, I'm going to pick on Chris who's with us. He's a policeman in our city. He, he walks worthy every shift because that's what he is. What would happen, Chris, if I showed up at your precinct and I started putting on clothes and I put on a badge and I walk up and I jump in the, and I make it that far, number one. We'd probably put you to work and go for that short-handed short story. But legally, if I did that, if I did that at home, I did, would, would I go to jail? Yes, because that's called impersonating a police officer. Is that a crime? Right, that's punishable. You can't, I can't be, I can't walk worthy of that because I haven't been set apart for that. Do you hear the difference? This is not about proving yourself. This means God, Paul says, hey, I am a prisoner. Paul says, I can't help it. I am a prisoner of the Lord. I walk where he has placed me because he made me worthy to walk in this place. I will find worth in that place. Not because I'm trying to earn it, but because he made me, he set me apart for it. Did y'all see the difference? We have to be careful as we read some of this, right? So walk worthy of the anointing with which you were anointed, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering. Now notice these interesting, bearing with one another. Now in the South, what we'd say is, is putting up with each other. <laughs> Just newsflash, y'all going to have to put up with me, Right? I wish she was in here. I would pick on Alicia because she probably, I probably rub her cat backwards more than anybody's and I don't mean to. And, and she has to bear with me. <laughs> she has to put up with me, right? You know, notice that he starts using very relational language. Hey, listen, okay, all these things that you are, you're blessed, you're, you're chosen, you're holy, you're blameless, all these things, these realities of what the gospel is and has done to you, Therefore, I have set you aside for something and your number one enemy is going to be division, strife, friction. So bear with one another. Because, see, I was anointed and set apart, not alone, but together with you. And my, my anointing truly is only effective to the degree by which it's connected. Can I say that one more time? Because I've never said that before. My, my, my 
anointing truly is only effective to the degree by which I am connected. Does that make sense? That's why I get connected to you. Right? Because here's the thing. Let me just say it. I'll pick on me now. If I was the only one that showed up here today, <laughs> would I be doing an awesome job as a pastor? <laughs> right? How about this? Maybe none of y'all came here on a Sunday and I'm here by myself talking to this lovely gray chair. Right? But maybe, right, you don't even want to come to my house. Now, I just don't want to hang out with that dude. Right? Does that, does that make sense? And, and, and there's something going on that I'm doing and, and, and I can't help you to, to be connected to me. Then I may be the bestest, most awesomest, anointedest pastor on the planet. And it will be useless. Because the effectiveness of the anointing by which I was given depends on my ability to stay and be connected to other people. That's why the devil endeavors to sever those connections. Because if he can sever those connections, and I'm going to get ahead of myself, but for time's sake, you know, we're going to read it down in chapter 4 here in just a minute. But remember, Paul always used language and analogies about a body. Right? We are the body of Christ. Is this new thoughts to anybody? Everybody doing all right? All right. So he used body language, right? Hey, can the I say to the this, say to the that, say to the other? So let's just talk about this. You understand that your body parts are only useful to the degree they're connected, <laughs> right? If I could, I maybe could reach in, and I know this might sound gross, and I don't mean to be gross, but maybe I could pull my liver out, right? And I pull my liver out of my body, and I lay it here on this beautiful little plastic table, and, and I may have the bestest, most awesomest, healthiest, cleanest, whatever, liver. And there it is. It's only as good as it's connected. Does that make sense? And, and, and the point of life isn't in the thing. The point of life is in where it's connected. Life can only be exchanged at the point of connection. Where I'm connected, I can, I can now exchange lives. If I disconnect, there's, there, there's, a, there's no life can be exchanged. And I may be filled with life. I may, again, I may be the bestest of the bestest. But if I'm not connected... Show my hand, bud. Come on. Right? But I say that because we don't know what to do. Please hear me. In our current culture today, we don't know how to do this. This we have lost. And we wonder why we're starved of life. This right here, we do this. But it's not connection. Right? There's all kinds of stuff we do that robs us of the joint that supplies that we're going to read about. Does that make sense? So again, my anointing, my ability is only as effective as it is connected. If there's no connection, there's no good from the anointing. 
It's the, again, remember I told you your specific anointing, you can cultivate, you can grow. The greatest way to grow your specific anointing is to connect to people. Is to connect and to get plugged in and to begin exchanging life. Does that make sense? Right? So let's keep going. That's why he says in verse 3, chapter 4. So endeavor. I love that word. Again, it's one of my favorite Greek words. It literally means strain every nerve. That's what it means. Because we all know the rest of this. Endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Yeah, no, it. I'll, I'll endeavor to be there. Yeah. I'll try to be there. No, better vernacular in the South would be come hell or high water. That's right. We will keep this unity. That's right. No matter what it takes, we're going to do it. Yeah. We might say it like this it's do or die. Come on, we don't use that language, but that's the language Paul used. Hey, listen, endeavor. Do or die, hell or high water, you strain every nerve to maintain that connection. Do not let yourself be severed. Does that make sense? Do not. Why? Because you can't have life where there's no connection. You will wither and you will die. Does that make sense? So he says, so therefore, just like there is, now notice he starts some oneness. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called and one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is in, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now he says, but to each of you, there has been given a grace and anointing, a charisma, something that grace will produce according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Now here, just because it is Easter, I'm going to take just a moment, and this is a whole message in itself. So I'm going to hit it and move on, and if you've got questions, come talk to me later, okay? But Paul in Paxson 9, he opens up the parenthesis, he says, now what do I mean by this he ascended? What does it mean that but he, first so also, but he also first descended even into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. This two little passages talks about, do you understand that Jesus went to hell for you? So when he died on the cross, he went to hell for you and came back for you. That's why you never need fear hell. Hallelujah. Come on now. Don't get it. Jesus paid for you spirit, soul, and body. On the cross, he paid for your body. Healing, provision, prosperity, no lack. He took all of that for your body in his body. In the garden, when he sweat great drops of blood, he paid for your soul. Anxiety, depression oppression, mental illness, anything of the mind and the soul, he drove those crowns of worry. They drove, that's why he wore, do you understand? He touched, guys, come on now, y'all, y'all pull us something. You understand, everything that happened to Jesus was not circumstantial. It was, it was redemptive, mm-hmm. right? So when Adam and Eve fell, 
God told them, what would the ground produce? So why was Jesus crowned with thorns? Because one of the greatest worries in your life is what's going to happen with my money and my work and how we're going to make it and the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. These thorns that would grow up and choke out the word of God and he wore them as a crown so you could actually wear a crown called righteousness. So he paid for your soul. Right? But he also paid for your spirit. Because our real problem wasn't in our body. Our real problem wasn't in our soul. Our real problem was, is because of the sinfulness of our sin nature, we were destined to live apart from him in a place called hell. And he took our place there. Hallelujah. And redeemed those that were there, redeemed and brought back. And there's a whole message in there. And he took that place so that you, why can you sit there and say, I don't fear hell at all. Why? Because Jesus went there as me. Amen. But then he did something. He says, and when he came up out of that place, as it said, he then that ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. Amen. Does that make sense? He fully equipped you. He fully provided for you, but not just for you, for everyone that you would touch through you. Does that make sense? Again, all this language we miss sometimes, right? Right, you know, the, the, they talk about the spoils of war, right? Did you understand that your anointing, your specific gifting is one of the spoils of war? <laughs> right, the devil had the spoils of what man could do captive and in his kingdom. Jesus descends, takes away the authority from the devil, leads those who believed who were held in a unique place called Abraham's bosom or paradise, leads them because he had not come yet out. But when he despoiled hell, according to this package, some passage, some of the stuff he took with him the were these gifts. Oh, look, here's, he had pastoring locked up in hell. So I'm going to give that to some of my people. He had prophecy locked up. So I'm going to give that to my people. He had this locked up. I'm going to give that healing to my people. He had gifts locked up that man could not access until the king of kings spoiled the devil's kingdom, came out of hell with the gifts of the spoils of war and began to give them as that master to his servants and say, here are the spoils that I did for you. I need you now to go as my ambassadors with the spoils that I did and minister the spoils of war to your brethren who are still captive. Does that make sense? That's why your ministry gift is bigger than what we've called church. <laughs> Does that make sense? Amen. All right. Get the preach on me. Amen. It says 11, and so he gave some, and we read this list, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now notice verse 12. Why are these gifts given? For the equipping of the saint for the work of the ministry. Right? The equipping of the saint. I love it. It, 
the word in the Greek language here in my Bible, it's a word that was a physician's word. And it meant, it literally meant what you do when you set a broken bone. When you would, when you would put, anybody ever had a broken bone? Remember, I, I played what we called football at my Baptist high school, right? And the reason why I called it, we called that because they had such low insurance. We couldn't do tackle, right? <laughs> because they didn't have the insurance to cover injuries, right? So, so they let us do flag football, right? Well, I still broke my collarbone playing flag football. They played on this big gopher-ridden field out in Glen Iris, and I'd received a pass or something. I was running down the sideline, and I stepped in a gopher hole and, and went down and snapped this collarbone. And it was like this, right? I mean, you looked at my, my collarbone here, and it was up. And I didn't break the skin, praise God, but it was just up. So they got me here, my arms all hurting, and they take me to the doctor. And, and I, you ever already broke your collarbone? You know, because they can't put a cast on that. So they're, they're doing this, and the doctor is hooking this harness thing up on me. And he gets the right side up and in place, and he's talking to me and being sneaky like doctors do. Because I just think we're having a conversation. Next thing he goes, and he yanks that thing and snaps that bone back in place. And you can hear it go, and then you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Right, you know, you get that nausea, you know. That's that word, equipping. That's that word. He equipped me. He, I had something out of joint and he equipped me for the work of the ministry. So you got, there's people all in your world, they're out of joint. They're out of place, right? Right, and equipping, and equipping is not always pleasant. It's for the greater good of the person being equipped, right? But you're here, your gift is to get them ready is to set things back in place, to adjust things back in order, right? To get them fully operational for service. What if the patients keep running away? You chase them down. I mean, we talked about that in discipleship, right? We talked about that in discipleship. Uh, this morning with the Iron Dog, I'll probably need to teach that in the podcast for you guys, right? When you talk about disciple making, right? How, and y'all got to help me with time. I really do need to stick time. How am I doing? 12. Okay, good. You got about 12, we got 15 minutes. Is that okay? We'll land the plane and we'll see what happens. Um, how far will Jesus go with somebody? All the way where? All the way to hell if necessary. You ever thought about that? How far will Jesus walk with a human soul, with a human spirit? He'll walk with them daily. All the way to the very gates of hell. He'll take them as far. He'll go with them and journey with them till till he literally cannot go any further. Right? And we get all upset when people want to run away from us. (laughs) We get all upset when I don't like what Brad said. I don't like it. (laughs) Hurt my feelings. Right? Amen. Guys, what's missing in modern church discipleship is the willingness for the disciple maker to make the level of commitment Jesus made to his disciples. Because remember, Jesus had a Judas. Right? Still one of the most powerful things. I can't help. Every time I think we take this every week, I think about 
Judas and Jesus's willingness to put salvation in Judas's mouth when he was leaving to betray him and saying, as you go and you taste my redemption as you betray me, know that I'm still here. God. I think it was Judas's open door to come back at the end and repent. But his pride or his whatever wouldn't let him. But Jesus from his heart literally says, you're about to go and hand me over to my enemies here. Don't forget the taste of salvation. Don't forget what I taste like when you betray me. So we don't, you don't like my posts sometimes. <laughs> right? Amen. I know y'all are different than that because y'all been so gracious to me. But you hear what I'm saying, right? It's the level of connection. Right? And again, you have to stand back and realize that, and, that, and you got to let people come and go. You got to stand open handed with people. Right? Amen. I'm sorry to have to say this. I promise you, people will hurt you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to have to say that. I know that's nothing we like sticking on our fridge, it never comes in the encouraging little cards. Right? <laughs> it, it'll be right? <laughs> Remember, I mean, so Jesus said, hey, remember, those who follow me, they will in this life experience persecution, rejection, pain, hurt. That's why Paul said, remember, endeavor, keep the unity of the spirit, bear with one another, put up with each other, stretch every nerve, strain every fiber, do all you can. People, sometimes intentionally, I do honestly believe most of the time, unintentionally, people will harm you. They will hurt you. And, and we have to be like Christ and say, I'm committed to you anyway. Does that make sense? I'm committed to you anyway. I'm there. Amen. All right, y'all looking at me kind of strange. Let's get, let's get happy again, all right? Amen. It says, till, now notice it says, so these, these gifts are given for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Till we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So guys, we're all growing together. We're connecting and growing together so that we can all together represent Christ. Right? Now, again, even though I know what I said and I believe it, it's true that you on the inside, your spirit man looks like Jesus. But you have to understand physically outside to the church and to the world, you don't look like Jesus by yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, we look like Jesus All together. together. Right. By my little lonesome, even though my spirit has been united with Christ, by my lonesome, I just look like bread. Yes. Of Christ. Yeah, we're one piece in a puzzle, if you will. That analogy is great. But your dependence is, is together we are Christ. Right? Now listen to this language with, with the, again. Notice these pronouns that Paul uses. Verse 13 again. The gifts are given so the saints are equipped till we, might want to underline that one, till we all come to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son, to a perfect man. 
Is he talking about a single man? A single individual? He's talking about the corporate man. To the measure of the nature of the fullness of Christ. That, what's that next pronoun? We should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Right? But speaking the, root, the truth in love, you can throw it in here, our English people, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, which is Christ. Now, verse 16, for whom the whole body joined and fit together with every joint that supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself in love. Look at verse 16. Do y'all hear the plural pronouns? We, whom, together, we make up the body of Christ. We represent Christ. We are growing together. Do you understand that I can only grow with you, truly. I cannot grow apart from you. Not well. Now, y'all look at me all kind of, this is, <laughs> y'all look at me. Right? Because we have this, again, we are not, please hear me of what I'm about to say. I want y'all to hear me real clear. This is my little preamble. I love that I'm an American. Everybody said, Brad's proud to be an American. Go ahead and tell me. So Brad's proud to be an American. We're at least, we're singing a song. But, and so I'm proud. But we are not well served by our culture that is so individualistic. Right? In our culture, we honor, I mean, have you ever wondered, you know, we honor, it's in our movies, right? The superhero, the lone hero who stands before the hordes. Of, of whatever, right? And by himself or herself, alone they stand. And we go, yes. And you understand that's a movie. <laughs> right? That's, that's a, you know what would happen in real life? If they were standing there, they'd be dead. Right? right? Movie over. No sequel. Right? <laughs> Right? All this kind of stuff. So in our culture, we honor individualism. Guys, listen to me. I cannot find individual culture in Scripture. Do you understand that heaven is not individualistic? Even though, I, please hear me, even though I agree with the thought, if Jesus came, he'd die just for one person. But he didn't. He died for us all. Does this make sense? So we have to understand that no, as, as a believer, I cannot stand on my own, just me and Jesus, and that's enough. It's all I need. Right? But you hear that coming around, well, I have my own private faith, Brad. Right? It's just what me and God share, it's just right here. And I have to look at those people and say, then I don't think you're saved. Oh, come on now, y'all look at <laughs> Because Because there ain't just me and Jesus. <laughs> he, he died for me and you so that together we could grow into the fullness and the stature. And not so that I alone could grow into the full. See, this passage is not an individual. We've 
preached it too much till you, sister, you grow into the stature of the fullness of Christ until you make it. Now, he's not talking to you alone. He's talking to you in body until we come together, until we are equipped and grow, until we develop into the fullness of the stature of Christ. We. Does that make sense? Right? But listen to me. Verse 16, back to what we said before. So that every part knows its place and knows how to connect to the other parts and knows how to give of its life source to the whole. That's what he's saying. See, guys, that's that, verse 16, that's the corporate anointing. That's the corporate setting apart. Right? Again, can I say this? Maybe you've never heard this before or not. You know why you come to, whether it's this church or any other church or any other gathering of believers, whether it's on a Sunday morning, a Thursday night, a Wednesday night, small group, home study, Bible study, fellowship dinner, what else? (laughs) Sunday school, come on, help me out. What all this other stuff we... Events, conferences, men's ministry, women's ministry, youth ministry, kids ministry, youth camps, missions trips, huh? VBS, revivals. In the wintertime, yeah. Do you understand? Every time you gather, wherever, whenever, you're gathering so that you can bring your anointing to that body. And you can connect who you are as a gift into the people who show up wherever that is, whenever that is. That's why you came. Remember we said it and have said it before. We gather and we consider one another. And as I see you and I get to know you, right, I'm, I'm knowing you on the outside. I am knowing you by your name and your race and your socioeconomics and whatever. I'm, I'm knowing the outside of you, but I'm also knowing the inside of you. And I'm knowing the gift and the anointing that you are. Why? So that then the Holy Spirit can stir up love and good works from my gift and my anointing so that when I stick my hand out, you're not grabbing my hand, you're grabbing pastor. You're grabbing prophet. You're grabbing apostle. You're grabbing workings of miracles, gifts of healings, right? Right. You're grabbing what I actually am. And now as he stirs up stuff, I speak to you from that place. That's why you understand that scripture that says, so deep calls to, now that's what makes more sense, doesn't it? And it calls up from the well on the inside what is there, and I can put my life into it. Does that make sense? And you can do the same thing. Does that make sense? My job, according to this passage specifically, is to get you ready for that. Does that make sense? I got to get you ready for that. That's my job as your pastor is to equip you for who you are. But not so that we can have a nice, in Spanish, the word is vitrina. We, we call it china. Any ladies got a china cabinet? Anybody got a china cabinet in their house? Uh, uh, we do. You know, used to, I don't know if that's still the thing or not. I don't know. But in, 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 you know, there, but my mama has a china cabinet and we all know what china cabinets are for. They're for the dishes that you'll never use, right? 
That's what the china cabinet is for. You put all the pretty doodads in there that you'll never touch. And you better not even look at it real hard. And act, actually act like you think you might actually imagine you could use it. Many times we've done that in the church. We've turned the church into a china cabinet. I'm not, I'm not trying to identify the gift in you so I can put you in the church's china cabinet and say, so, well, we've got so many of these giftings in our church. Look at them. Now, don't touch them. Don't even think about being used. I just got them in the china cabinet so we can show you off, right? <laughs> Does that make sense, right? So we have to understand, but see, this is the, so why do you come to church? Because I need you to bring what you've been gifted and graced to do, right? Because listen to me, can I just, just for a minute, because I, I pray and I believe God sends us more people to love here, but I can't love them on my own. I'll never be able to pastor people like they deserve to be pastored by myself. I can only pastor those who I can say, okay, God, I'm, I'm picking that one and that one and I'm picking that one and I'm picking that one as you lead me and I'm choosing and I'm picking and, and I'm going to give them all I got. Can't do that with everybody. But together we can. Together we can. Does that make sense? That's why you'll never, and I just want to set some ground, you'll never make me mad. You'll never get me upset. If we're here at church and you're in another place or you're in here and you're being you and you're ministering to somebody, praise God. That's what we're here for. I would rather see a half a dozen little miniature services going on all across this building than having to force people to come in here and listen to me. Now we're being effective. Does this make, y'all look at me? Yes. Now please hear me. I love talking. Y'all can tell. If y'all, I love speaking as much as anybody. I'll keep y'all here all day. I'm trying to be nice. Right? Does that make sense? Because this is it. I'm expecting that as we identify who you are, and as we begin to sit there and put a highlight on, okay, it looks like God has put this gifting in you, then that gifting now is going to move out of the china cabinet or out of the backed up box or wherever we've hit it or stuck it away because we all find China. Ain't none of us a paper plate, right? Ain't, ain't, ain't none of us a paper plate. We all herringbone, whatever. I'm not fancy like that. I don't know all the names, but y'all know what I'm talking about, right? That good stuff that you can't put in the microwave. You know, that's that good plate, right? And you can't stick it in the microwave. You can't. That's all of us. But I'm going to be pulling you out of the cabinet or out of the box. And we're going to be equipping you and dusting you and getting you ready. Right. And that's for every time we gather here. Right. I just, I just want to be honest with you. This is not fun. Let's play church. If we identify again. So I just use it. If I identify, if we identify a profiting gift in you, then I'm, I'm a hunting the gift. And when it comes time for prophecy to come, I may turn and point at you and go, I need you. Does that make sense? Because I'll leave you with this last thought. Go with me to Acts chapter 2 and this will set us up and it'll be the strangest Easter message on the planet next week. <laughs> right? <laughs> so please, I mean, invite your family and friends, but they're not going to get a nice clean one, okay? It's not going to be, it's going to be the continuation of this. But notice this, notice 
chapter 2, very famous, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, that, I know that's a joking pastor thing. That's not talking about the Honda they were driving, right? That all the disciples were in one accord, right? Y'all can laugh. It's a good joke. Come on, Jonathan. Give me a chuckle at least, man. Come on, right? So, but what this word, this is, a, this is your $5 Greek word for a Sunday. So you can say you learned something fancy when you came to church. Everybody say homothumadon. Homothumadon, right? Sounds like a dinosaur, doesn't it? But it's... Um, this is that Greek word with one accord, homo thumadon. It literally, it's a music word that we would understand as an orchestra. Ever gone and heard like a big band or a marching band or a something where it's, it talks about, I love it, the word literally means rushing along together. <laughs> it's what it means. It means rushing along together. But it, it takes up this concept of you can identify distinct sounds, abilities, functions, operations that are being orchestrated by a master conductor into one sound. And it says, and so now I want you to, so, and now the disciples were together Everyone in their place, everyone knowing who they were, everyone with their instrument in hand, and the Holy Spirit came and united them. The Holy Spirit descended upon them and brought all these distinct operations, giftings, and ability, and he brought them under his tutelage, brought them under his conduction, and he conducted them as a symphony. And we all know the back end of that story. And they busted out of there and spoke 13 separate languages simultaneously, ministered to 3,000 people under the corporate anointing. Homothumadon is the corporate anointing. Everyone knowing their, and I'll use musical stuff even though I'm not a musician, everyone knowing their instrument, everyone knowing their scales, everyone knowing how to play their piece, and we let the Holy Spirit conduct us all as He wishes and He desires. Now guys, I don't know about you, can I just set us up? I'm looking forward to the coming services. When we gather together under Homo Thumadon, where you know who you are, you know what part you play, and you know your instrument, and we can stand back and let the Spirit guide us. And we can let the Spirit bring up, and you've all seen it, right? Okay, it's time for this gift to take a second. Do a little bit of solo here. And then this one will rise up and do this. And then this one will rise up and do this. And he'll let us conduct us. And he'll conduct us here so that we can team up out there. Because yes. another, another reason, I, and, and, and I know this is still going long, but there's so much to say. So can I just say this out loud so that you know, I, I, I love praying for sick people, but it's not my gift. I can pray the prayer of faith, as it says in Mark chapter 16. I can lay hands on the sick and I can believe that they'll recover in Jesus' name. All of us can do that generally. Right. But my wife has a healing anointing. 
One of hers is she's been over the course of knowing her for 23 years, separate people who don't know each other have called you out and have said you have a healing gift. It's why you're so drawn to the natural stuff and all medicine. They, they run in parallels with each other, right? But it's an anointing. If you want to get healed, go talk to her. Do you hear me? I'll, if you want to come pray for me, I'll be glad to pray with you. But you're just going to get to prayer faith. I know that sounds... I'm not trying to dis downplay the prayer of faith. If Selena's absent and I'm all you got, sorry. <laughs> right? But again, we learned this from, um, and I'll tell, tell one last story. So I traveled with Brother Hagen for a long time. Brother Hagen was uh, discipled. One of his people was Mom and Pop Goodwin, right? Mom and Pop Goodwin were unique, but I remember Mom and Pop Goodwin, they worked together uh, in a ministry team similar to you and I. Uh, but it was there, but, but Pop Goodwin had an ability to get people baptized in the Holy Spirit. He had an I mean, just people would come and they'd get filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, just, it was an anointing. He could just get people filled with the Spirit, right? But Mom Goodwin, she had a healing gift, and we'll talk about this in gifts of healings and workings of miracles, and not to get ahead of myself, but the reason why there's a distinction, remember a miracle is needed in the last ditch effort, Right? Raising someone from the dead is a miracle. It's not a gift of healing. Now, to keep them from dying again, you need a gift of healing. <laughs> right? But to raise them from the dead, you had a miracle. Does that make sense? To, to do creative operations is a working of miracle. That is a gift of ministry. Right? Gifts of healings, though, are unique because some people have certain anointings for certain diseases. I don't know if you knew that or not. Some people, they get certain types of diseases healed a little bit quicker than others. Now, again, I believe God is gracious and merciful. But as we talk, I just say this as an identity thing. This is what we're looking for. Right? This is the pattern we'll see. But Mom Goodwin, she had, if I'm not mistaken, she had an ability with people who had cancer. She just had a gift of healing. That people who had cancer, they come and pray with Mom Goodwin. They just get healed. Right. Well, I remember one at a service, somebody came up, a lady came up to talk to Pop Goodwin and said, would you pray with me? I've been diagnosed with a tumor. And he stopped her and said, I'll be glad to pray with you. And he said, what I told you, I can pray the prayer of faith and that will save the sick. It is sufficient. But my wife is here. And she has a gift of healing, especially for what you're fighting. So I think it's better if we let my wife pray for you. Do you see homothumadon? Do you see why it's important that we know how each of us is gifted? Yes. Yes. Do you see that as, I, as, as you know me and I know you, I mean, again, and I know how to tell you this, and, and I don't mean this poorly, but it does seem to be an anointing. It, it, it's part of discernment. Um, I, I know when people will go home and die. I wish I could say I have seen more. I have, let me say it like this. I have had the privilege of helping more people cross over and go to heaven than I have had seeing them get up from the deathbed. <laughs> now, y'all look at me real funny because I, I jokingly say, so sometimes if I show up at the hospital, I'm real quick to tell you I'm here to pray for you. You're going to get healed. Okay, because sometimes people have heard my stories and they see me coming around the corner of the hospital and like, oh, God. <laughs> Jesus sent bread, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. 
So I try to send Selena when we need healings, right? But, it, it, but guys, did you know that that is a special gifting because we don't know how to die well? We, we don't know how to die. And, and it, there's a ministry needed. And I, and I wish I could say, Jesus, let somebody else do it. <laughs> but I have been there. I mean, again, I've, does that, can, I, can I tell you what I mean as an example? We, we had a young boy in our church, Andrew. Andrew was eight years old. Andrew had a rare disease that his body would produce hard bone tumors, like calcium tumors. And they would show up in different spots. And one of them showed up in his brain. Right? And he was passing away. Right? We're there. And, and we're all, and again, we're believing. And I wish I could say, it. A, this was not from God. B, this was not some hidden lesson. It's C, it was not God's will that he should die when he died at eight years old. So please hear me. None of that was God's will. And we prayed and believed. And as far as I understood, as far as I knew, Right? But Andrew died on us. And I remember, remember, and they, and, and they called me. And I loved his, his, his folks. Awesome. Pastor Brad, you come, and you're going to raise him from the dead. Now, talk. <laughs> that's what they called. Pastor, you call me, you're going to come and raise my son up from the dead. And I'm like, okay. And then I said, I'm on my way. We'll talk about it. Right? Because when they called me and said Andrew died, on the inside, God says, you can't raise him. Don't pray for him. It's going to be okay. In here, I knew. And then he says, and, and you can't tell them why. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so I get to go. And here, let me tell you the whole story so you get it. So I get to go, and there he is, and raise him up. And I said, no, no, we're going to, it's going to be okay. And I had to walk this way. And they were mad. Man, they were mad at me. And I don't blame them. Right? Called my pastor. I'm expecting one thing. And he said, no. And I'm like, mm. And I didn't understand. Walk away. And so we, we did it. And we buried Andrew. Man, it's so tough doing that. So tough. Right? So, so tough. Still. So much. That's there. Right? But they're going through Andrew's stuff. After we bury him. And the next is like a week or so later. And his dad comes in and says, Pastor Brad. I found out why. And I'm like, okay, why, what, why we couldn't pray? And he hands me a hand lit, and it's only eight year, a letter that Andrew wrote to his parents. And it squirreled away. And it says, last night I went and I saw Jesus. And I got to go to the other side. So I'm okay. And he had seen, I, I think, I do believe like Paul did. He had seen the other side and said, man, I'm going where it's far better. I'm going, I'm going to there. And he said goodbye in this little letter that his parents had to find. Right? Does this make sense? And those things are precious, man. As my mom would say, they suck hind tit at the moment. Right? They do. I mean, and, but when you come on the other side, you're like, man, does that make sense? I've seen more people. I've been able to help. And I've learned in a struggle to sit there and say, I do have a gift from God to help people go home. <coughs> right? And so, 
Let's look at it positively, shall we? <laughs> and I know that sounds odd. I don't mean to be a downer on this, but it's a gift. You have to identify, and it's a process. It's a journey. It's a discovery. You'll, you'll see things in it's, its abilities and its giftings. Does this make sense? But when they come together, when we understand what my part is and what my piece is and how I play and what is going, and I can allow the Holy Spirit to be the master conductor and I can equip people and train people, does this make sense? Then we can do a corporate anointing that's far greater than I can do by myself. Do you see this? It's, it's the real body ministry taking place. And, 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 and please hear me. When I say body ministry, and I mean clear, I, I don't mean kids' church and youth ministry and ushers. No. Okay? No. <laughs> I'm going to be real clear, okay? Uh, those things are needed. And we'll talk about that some on Thursdays, right? Uh, I call those, those are, those are the chores of the house, yeah. right? If you come to my house, there's chores, Somebody's got to wash the dishes. Somebody's got to cut the grass. Somebody's got to clean the house up. Somebody's got to paint the basement. Thank you for doing that. Right? I mean, all this kind of stuff that goes on. There's, there are chores in the house that need to be done. Those chores don't, those chores are not being a part of the family. That's just, that's the privilege, the responsibilities that come with the privilege of being connected to a family. Does this make sense? Here, as we're part of a family, there are responsibilities that are part of the privilege of being connected to a family. Ushering, greeting, uh, taking care of kids, doing all the stuff we do. Please hear me, are important, but that's not ministry. Right. Ministry is all that we're about to unpack on Thursdays. Ministry is this homothumadon. Giftings coming up, things being done, us working together in a corporate setting and a corporate anointing so that we all can grow. We all can arrive. We all can mature. Does that make sense? Amen. Well, Lord, we love you so much. So grateful for this. So thankful. And Lord, I just pray in the, in the coming weeks as we talk this out, Lord, as we expand our heart to include the gifting you have made us to be. And Lord God, help it be clear to me and to our pastoral family, our team. Lord, help it to be clear to each person under the sound of my voice, either here in person or listening on the podcast. Lord, help it be clear what you have gifted them to be. Help us to see it together. In Jesus' name.